to Beekeep Radio. Insight is here. Today we have Jennifer Castro, a.k.a. Bad Cat. You might know her from a KSFR spot on late Saturday night from 12 to 2 o'clock. That's 101.1. You want to tell us a little bit about that and introduce yourself? Hey, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I really kind of fell into radio. I did not set out with the intent to become a radio DJ or radio personality at all. I was really more of a club DJ. Uh, I play house music, so it's fairly underground. Mm -hmm. um, and I moved here, and one of my things to kind of help me get established in the area was to start supporting other house DJs. So I started going Absolutely. to events, right? So, you know, you can't expect there to be a scene if you don't create and support the scene that you want. So I went to an event and met a bunch of other people who were kind of in the music scene. And one of them said, hey, I have a radio show. Would you like to be on it tomorrow night? <laughs> I was like, you haven't even heard me yet. So I gave him, I actually happened, I always kept CDs in my car since, you know, old school. <laughs> and I said, here's a couple of my mixes, you know, and here's my SoundCloud. Why don't you listen and make sure that you like my sound? And if you would like me to be on your show, I'd be honored. And that was DJ Fi. He does the Friday Night Mix Fix. And he's had that show for about 17 years on KSFR. So I showed up the next night and was his guest, and he was great. He was so complimentary, and he was just like, I think you need your own show. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, Wow, no. he crashed right in, kicked Literally, the door down. Right, and everyone says, oh, this is what Santa Fe does. Like, if you're uh -huh. in the right place, things will fall into place for you. And so it took a few months for that to happen. You know, it wasn't like immediate, but he, I was his guest several times, and he was like, wow, you need to do this on your own. And I'm like, I, I, that sounds like a commitment. You know, that's that sounds like work. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but, right? Big steps suddenly. I mean, especially if you're not expecting it here in town and you suddenly get given the, yeah, the reins. Yeah, exactly. So a slot came open, and it was um, alternate Saturday nights. And I said, that sounds perfect, because I wasn't ready to commit to every weekend in the studio, because that's club hours, right? That's mm -hmm. when I can make money. I can get out there. So I committed to every other Saturday. And sometimes I had to pre-record, and sometimes I had to have my buddy cover for me. But for the most part, I made it for about a year and a half doing Bad Cat Radio um, from midnight till 2 a.m. on Saturdays, Sunday morning. And then the slot recently just became weekly. So now um, I had the option to either step away and give it to somebody else or step up and commit to every Saturday. And I said, you know, I don't know that I could commit to it by myself, but there's so many untapped, amazing underground DJs here in Santa Fe that I really wanted to bring them together and give them a forum because, you know, we have a hard time keeping clubs alive in this little one-horse town, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> our, our demographic... Uh, if you look at it, it's it's amazing, the curve, right? It's like people who are under 20, you know, there's a big peak, and then it dips, and then it goes back up to people who are over 60. So yeah. this is not the demographic for nightclubs. No, you're right. We have that education age and the retirement age group <laughs> here, basically. Right, right. So it's really challenging for people like me, who I play in clubs. My music is underground. So... Basically, I said, you know what, I'm going to see if my friends will want to do this with me. And so I'm creating this group called the Legion of Boom. And we are going to be the group that takes over the, the airwaves on Saturday night. And the whole goal is really just to keep that dance music alive in Santa Fe. Okay, so you offer a little bit of an open invite for other music, I assume, too, in the same way that um, we here at BK are looking for a little bit of new music all the time. So uh, that's great. I, I think that's an important model for 
independent music generally, but especially, as you say, in a place like Santa Fe. And so, okay, so you've been at the KSFR spot even bi-week, bi-monthly for mm-hmm. a year and a half, you About said? a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay, right on. And uh, so what was it like getting into that spot over there? It was interesting because it's so late at night, there's nobody else there. <laughs> Literally, there's like one DJ before me, um, and actually that is uh, Dave Barsani, who does the Twisted Groove. Uh-huh. Um, actually, his DJ name is Spin Effects, um, and he plays a really great, very diverse, eclectic show, right? So it's like, I think his show is a couple, I think it's longer than mine. It might be like three hours. And he's been also running for about 16 years. Whoa. So yeah, yeah, these, these radio shows here are very well established, um, and they have great followings. So here's me, the newbie, right, coming into town, and I'm like, boy, I don't know anybody. And with radio, the thing that's really interesting is you don't know who's listening to you ever. Hmm. So, you know, you, it's you by yourself in the studio playing music. If the phone rings, which has happened to me literally twice <laughs> in a year and a half, the phone has rang twice. Um, it's such a sleepy town. But I don't take it personally. And what I do is I do a live stream broadcast on Facebook at the same time. Okay. And that way I'm interacting with humans while I'm playing. So I get a little bit of that feedback energy that DJs like. You know, people give you feedback and say, oh, I love that track. And you're like, okay, let me stay in this vein because this is getting some props, you know. Mm -hmm. But then what will happen is like I'll be at Trader Joe's and someone will find out that, you know, like I'll be on my way to the radio show. And they're like, wait, that's you? You're Bad Cat? I've literally had somebody come out and like give me a hug from behind the the cash register at Trader Joe's. He was so excited. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so weird. <laughs> so that's a little bit of Santa Fe local celebrity for you. Right. There, I was huh? like, am I Santa Famous now? Is that what this is? I, <laughs> I, yeah, I think a little bit. Well, and so before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about how that can create some personal clashes, both in, you know, in, in romantic relationships, oh, yeah. but then in, in just uh, work relationships, too. So has that been a, a little bit of a uh, an impediment in any way, getting into... Uh, getting into radio generally, but in your music career totally as a DJ. Well, luckily, like the friends that I have here in Santa Fe have been very supportive. And we all kind of believe in co-opetition, right? Like we're totally okay with saying, hey, I'm I'm a good DJ and I have a show and you're a good DJ and I think you should have a show. So I've found some very, very supportive friends in the network where I have found like the issue, at least in this, since I've been here, was really more in my interpersonal relationships and personal relationships. Um, Just if I've dated other people who have been in kind of the house and techno music realm, that there was a little bit of um, envy going on. Mm. And And I found it like on one hand it was entertaining. On the other hand, it was really annoying because, I mean... It's not like I'm famous, right? Like maybe maybe close to Santa famous if I'm lucky, but for real, I'm still a nobody. I'm just like an underground DJ like everyone else. And I was getting these little bookings here and there, and I was literally getting this like negative feedback from my partners at the time. Uh. And I was just like wow, like, you're just not even here for me. Like, yeah, you're, you need support. Uh. you're okay with me being a DJ as long as you can pat me on the head and think that you're better than me or you think that you're getting more airplay than me. Like, why can't you just support what I'm doing? Because I'll pull you up with me, right? But they weren't even looking at that side of the equation. They were just immediately feeling threatened. And I really, that was like a huge red flag for me to just move completely away from that. And now I'm kind of at this policy where I just don't date people who are in my genre, (laughs) which is a shame. It's It's a shame. That's smart. Right. I mean, even animals know you don't poop where you eat. Exactly. So uh, how have you how have you found that um, that extra bit of kind of competition and envy has uh, adjusted how you act when you're say 
say when you were getting on the radio or when you were mm-hmm. finding new sets, do you find that that inhibits you a little bit? Like you're a little bit... No, no, not no, at all. it drives me. If anything, I'm like, please, please tell me what I can't do so I can go and do it better than you ever suspected. Ah. Like it definitely fuels the fire. So I'll, I'll, I don't feel like I have not all those people who talk about like my haters. Like, yeah, there's a few out there, but I really don't give them any bandwidth, right? Like I don't feed trolls. I don't give them yeah. energy, but knowing that there's people who really think I can't do it. I'll, I'll tell you a little story. Um, one of the reasons that kind of launched me into DJing, I took a very long time to get behind the decks. Like I've been a househead since I guess I was probably in my early 20s. I had just come out of college and um, I went into a gay club with my then boyfriend. We heard this music from the street and we were like, what is this? This is incredible. And I was in Pittsburgh where I grew up and it was the club called Pegasus, which actually the um, the show Queer as Folk was based on that club. Okay, yeah. And so we went down the stairs into this grimy, dirty club, right? It's like dark and dank and just like flashing lights everywhere. And the music just completely enveloped me. And I was immediately in love. I've never been so love struck in my life as I was when I heard that music in that club. And I started looking for the DJ booth because back then they hid the DJ booth, right? It was not center stage. The DJ was not the center attraction. So I had to go find this DJ in this club. And I literally like knocked on the door to the booth. And I was like, what is this music? And he handed me um, a mix CD. And he said, this is house. And I literally had never heard of it before then, right? I grew up in a city that was predominantly like rock, Mm -hmm. like old school. And I grew up as a musician playing jazz. So jazz and rock are my background as a musician. And I knew like I had always skewed towards like funk, you know, things like that. But I had no idea house existed. So he gave me that CD and I fell in love. So I've been a househead since then. But um, for years and years, I never thought of being a DJ as being an option for me just because I had other jobs, right? I had careers, I was traveling, I sell mm-hmm. software. And I said to a friend one day, I, I had a party at my house and they were like, this is an amazing soundtrack. What is it? And I said, oh, it's just something I put together. And they said, why aren't you a DJ? You know, DJs, you know, producers, why aren't you doing this? And I said, oh, I have a job. And they laughed at me. They're like, oh, silly girl, this isn't a job. You won't make money at it. (laughs) Oh, that sounds like a kind of challenge you step up to, though. Well, that was a little bit. uh, And I said, oh, so people, other people who do this also have jobs. (laughs) So I was just kind of naive about it. I thought everyone just dropped everything and did this as a dedicated thing, right? So I was like, oh, maybe I should try it. So that kind of planted the seed that I should and could do it. So I was kind of ruminating on it. And I was in kind of a crappy marriage at the time. And I mentioned to my soon-to-be ex-husband, I said, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to take up a friend of mine offered me DJ lessons. He really thinks I'm a good selector and said, hey, you should be a DJ. And my then-husband said, oh, you are so stupid. Nobody wants to see an old lady DJ like you. Oh, the fire was lit. <laughs> that okay. was it. As yeah. a, hey, I flushed wow. him real quick, right? I got yeah. rid of him with a quickness. Um, and that I was like, oh, you think I can't do this? So it just, it did. It just put fuel on the fire that it was already kind of there. So I, even once I was rid of him, it really wasn't about proving it to him. I have no idea if he even knows how far I've taken it. Who and cares? I don't, and yeah. I don't care. I don't it's care. I don't guy. give him bandwidth. But I, I never forget that. And I said, you know what? That's fine. I'm going to be the best old lady DJ they've ever seen. So I literally started DJing when I was about 40. Okay. Hell yeah. Yeah. It took me a long time, but I kind of feel like I'm making up for that last time. Like I put a lot into it now. 
Well, and when we first started talking about doing the interview, that's what you said. You had a, a very steep learning curve. Yeah. And uh, now remind me, was it an injury or uh, something else that gave you time to focus? It was an illness. An yeah. Illness. yeah. It was an okay. illness. Yeah. I was, I was pretty debilitated and I didn't have a lot of energy and I just kind of had to stick around the house a lot. Mm. And so that gave me that time that I needed, you know, I think we all kind of start as bedroom DJs, right? So I was bedroom DJing quite a bit because it was really the only thing I could do. I didn't, I, I canceled all my other social appointments and other things I used to do. And so this is just what I'm going to focus on. And music has always been an escape for me. Mm -hmm. It's always been very important to me. But at that point, it really became like a, okay, I'm going to get out of bed for this and I'm going to work up my energy. I'm going to save up my energy and I'm going to try to get better so I can do this more and more. And then I was lucky enough to find a residency in my uh, locale. This is back in Jacksonville, Florida. And it was a coffee shop. It was a very interesting, like, European coffee shop run by a guy from Bosnia who used to own a club in Bosnia. So he loved house music. He just loved, loved, loved it. And he wanted to have house music in his coffee shop almost every day of the week. So you could go there and play. And it was outdoors and indoors because it's, it's Florida, right? Beautiful mm -hmm. weather year-round. So I started to play there and it went from once a week it became twice a week so i'd play five hours a night two times a week and i did that for about two years straight wow okay so, well there's plenty of practice hours right there <laughs> yeah and and you know in a coffee shop is challenging because you don't have a dance floor so mm. you don't get that immediate feedback of clearing the dance floor right like oh that was don't don't play that track um but in a coffee shop it's much more subtle and I had some great mentors at the time who would say, okay, you need to look and watch, like, are they tapping their toes? Are they bobbing their head? Are they looking to the DJ? Are they trying to get eye contact with you? You know, observe your crowd, no matter what your crowd is. And that was a very uh, formative thing for me. And also just having enough music and enough versatility to play for five hours straight two times a week without playing the same stuff over and over. Uh, yeah, that, I could see how that would segue into the difficulty of reading your crowd on a radio set. <laughs> yes, yes. There's no feedback. So you kind of, but it's interesting. Oh, what I find like yesterday, I was tired and physically broken from painting a ceiling all day, right? So I was exhausted and I missed a friend's birthday party and I was sad about that because I was just too tired. And I was like, but I have to go to this radio show. It's a commitment, right? And I get there and I was like, what am I going to play? I, I don't make track lists for my radio shows. I literally just go off the cuff. Sometimes I just rinse out my new stuff to get familiar with it. But I went old. I opened with a gospel house track. Uh -huh. And yeah, and it reminded me, me, the atheist, how much I love gospel house. Like it's a true, true, like one of my top five kind of subgenre things. And I ended up playing like the first half hour was all gospel house. And then I went into like soulful and Afro beats. And it just by the time I left, I was just in so much a better mood, even though like physically I was super exhausted. But that for two hours, all I did was just focus on the music and letting it lift me out of kind of the funk I was in. Uh, all right. Well, so it sounds like you brought a little bit of a mix for us to listen to also. Yeah. Um, so let's take a break and throw a little bit of that on. Great. This is a song called Yesterday by Jennifer Castro, a.k.a. Bad Cat, and you're listening to BK Radio.
Well, during the break, we were talking a little bit about something. You called it purr. Now, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So one of the things that just fell into my lap uh, when I came here was a night at Skylight, our sadly recently departed club. R.I.P. <laughs> in Santa. Yes, R.I.P. Uh, Skylight. We loved you dearly. Um, I well, it didn't really fall into my lap. I I found out. You know, I saw other house shows being held there, and I just kind of felt like we needed more. And so I, I'm a big believer in, you know, you you may have to create the scene that you want to be take a part in, right? Uh-huh. I don't like throwing events. I'll just put it right out there. I'm not a promoter. I'm not an organizer. I don't enjoy any facet of doing this. But if you want it to exist, sometimes you have to create it yourself. Right. You have to play those other roles. Otherwise, they, right. they just aren't there. Yeah. Right. So I just I had to step out of my comfort zone and ask and say, hey, I would like to do a night. And, you know, the management there was was really nice. And they were like, OK, you know, we, we have space. We can start working you in here. And so they gave me a monthly and I named it Purr, kind of riffing on the whole bad cat thing. Mm-hmm. And um, but the the whole idea behind Purr wasn't to be a showcase for me. It was to hold space for the fact that, you know, house comes from queer black roots, right? That is where this music comes from, from the warehouse in Chicago. It was our dance floors were always a safe space for those who felt like they were the other in society. That is really house music's big thing. And I think people who are new to it may not know those roots. They don't know where it came from. And if you look at a lot of lineups right now, it looks like a frat boy party, Right, it's like a bunch of white dudes. <laughs> yeah, I have to say I had no I, no idea about the roots at all. I mean, not studied house. In yeah, the least. actually, the name house music came from the venue called the Warehouse, okay. um, and so it just kind of got shortened to, "Hey, I want to go hear some of that house music." Right, <laughs> and you had people like Frankie Knuckles and. Um, oh, there's so many. There's too many to name, really. But uh, so many of the founders really were queer and or black or queer and black and so that's really the roots of this music and even though i am neither queer nor black i think it's super super important for those of us who are guests in this space to still hold space for the roots where it came from and to honor that so per my whole point there was to make sure that i sought out minority djs and it was not pity bookings it was these were people who were absolute badasses. They totally held their own on the decks. Um, many of them, most of them, in fact, have been DJing much longer than me, and they're DJs that I look up to. So um, I would try to offer them what little I could and say, "Hey, I'm going to make sure I pay you, even if I don't make any money on this night at all." Which was frequently the case. I made a point to make sure my DJs got paid as fairly as I could muster in this particular market. Wow, that's a level of fairness and equality that honestly the hip hop scene can't seem to muster. <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, there's, and I was thinking hip hop was something of an inclusive art form, but honestly, <laughs> wow, compared to house, and although they do share some relation, it, it seems like really not the case. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 one of those like lines in the sand, right? Like you don't ever want to. F- I I don't ever want to feel like oh my house is exclusive. Like I don't want it to be exclusive. I want it to be inclusive, inclusive sure. and. Those who created this art form have been inclusive to me, right? Because Mm. I am the outsider technically from this. So as somebody who I definitely have that white privilege, right? I can walk into a venue and say, hey, I want a night. And they're like, sure, here's your night. Uh It was just that easy. So I know that doesn't happen like that for everybody. 
So I feel like I definitely need to use those powers for good instead of evil (laughs) and hold that space and make sure that we're getting, we have so many incredibly talented artists. I've been totally blown away at the level of um, skill and talent in New Mexico from, you know, native, Latino, just all of the artists that are here and they can just, they can outperform the hell out of me. So I was like, you know, I'm not going to be that person who tries to keep their, hand on top of somebody else. I want to lift others up. And I feel like that's the best way to elevate yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember something from study and that was uh, the teachers didn't want to be called teachers. They wanted to be called facilitators. And that role is is not glorious and it's not celebrated. Um, so having somebody who can help lift other people up, and especially if you're able to use white privilege, a topic that we don't really get to broach too much into um mm. i think a little bit of the masculinity of hip-hop and a few of the other oh, yeah. typically male elements of hip-hop make it a little hard to talk about yeah um but yet yeah, to be able to use that uh, it should be used that way absolutely yeah so great and so do you have uh guest djs on your show now right now well um as bad cat radio i originally toyed with the idea of of having and i had some friends like submit some mixes but honestly i found that um I didn't like sitting in a radio studio just playing a pre-recorded thing. Someone right? else's, sure. Right, I just kind of wanted, whether it was me or someone else, I wanted that live energy. I did have a few people come and guest over the year and a half, but not too many. It's just, it's a very late night slot. Yeah. Um, and a lot of my guests, you know, they're in Albuquerque or wherever. So, um, but now as the Legion of Boom, I am trying to kind of, I'm not saying I'm going to recreate Purr, right? That was a whole different thing. But um, I definitely am inclusive in who I invite into be part of the Legion, right? It's not just a free-for-all. It has a lot to do – I mean, mostly has to do with, like, is your sound aligned with my sound? Yeah. Um, and, I, and I don't mean I want everyone to sound like me. I need these other people to push my limits, Right. So I have I say anything that's like house or techno or any subgenre thereof. I don't necessarily want to get into things like trap. Um, I love hip hop. I don't necessarily think that that's the format for my show. I want to be right. kind of consistent about making it like dance radio. Mm-hmm. So house and techno and all subgenres are welcome. So those are the DJs that I sought out. And of course, I always have an eye towards you know, am I making this look like you know a super white lineup here, or am I being inclusive? So that's something that as a white person, I just try to check myself and say, hey, make sure you're not maybe looking at the people who necessarily are in your closest group, but look at the people who have the talent and look at the people who are here. And there's just such a wide range of people and and talent here. So it was really no problem to just find a really diverse pool of DJs to to pull from. One of the other things that hip-hop, especially in the small scene, seems to suffer from is a bit of that appropriation culture that you were talking about. Uh, And so as somebody who stems from a real musical background and as somebody who's aware of that, uh, on top of just making sure that you keep your other DJ friends (laughs) and other guests, uh, you know, varied, uh, but based on skill, um, how do you feel that that might might affect your own music making in the future? Um, Because I in a lot of ways, I feel being too woke or being too aware can lock you in a box. Right. Um, and so you were talking about getting into into production in the future a little bit. And uh, I don't know, where do you see yourself going from here? Yeah, I, I'm really excited about the possibilities now. Um, one of the things I had to let go was feeling like this self-imposed age limitation, right? Like when I first moved here, I was a little overwhelmed um, just having to make all new friends and resettle, you know, in a new place where no one knew me as a DJ. Um, 
it's one of those, oh, I have to prove myself all over again <laughs> and let people kind of see who I am. But also I, one of the first things I said was like, oh, I don't know if I have the energy to reestablish myself as a DJ in a new city at this age. And um, one of the DJs that I was talking to, she's been doing it a lot longer than me. And she was like, listen, I'm older than you and I'm still doing the damn thing. So that really like was like a form of mentorship, whether she knows it or not. I was very like, hey, she kind of checked me there and was like, girl, get your shit together. You can do this. So I've had to let go of that whole like, am I too old to start this? Like, just let that go. It does, doesn't matter. The, the way I look at it now is it's not age, it's experience. And so I've had a lot more musical experience than people who might be half my age. So I try to see it as like a a bonus, right? Like I have this extra library of music uh, just from being in different um, veins of music for years and years and years. So yeah, I took a class in production um, at the community college. It was a great class. So we, we covered Ableton and Reason and it really got me interested. And, you know, it's no secret I've dated producers before and, you know, you, you hang out, you spend time and you watch them in the studio and I've watched music be created. Um, and And I was like, I don't think there's any reason that I can't do that. And no. and so what I'm really interested in, and honestly, it's going to be as big a surprise to me as it is to anybody else, is what my music's going to sound like when it comes out of me. I'm like, I have no idea what my music's actually going to sound like when I really sit down to write a house track. So I'm kind of excited and interested to see like what comes out. Well, so that's pretty interesting. So you'll end up sticking with basically the house format. I, I probably will. Although, you know, it, it's funny because in, in class, you know, we had these assignments in our midterm, we had to write like a full blown track uh, that had to be like three and a half minutes long, which is about half the length of a typical house track, by the way. Um, but I ended up writing something that I would classify as trip hop. Huh. Um, and it really wasn't even me. I, I don't even like to say writing. Uh, it was really loop arrangement, right? I was just kind of arranging things. And I did not I did very little writing and creation in that. It was really just kind of manipulating other people's beats and vocals into uh, the format that typically follows uh, a house format. Yeah, well, that's where I was kind of trying to get at a little bit with my previous question is from a, a background of someone playing musical instruments. I mm -hmm. didn't ask what you played. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so tell me what you played. So it was a long, strange journey. I started uh, very young. I, I think my first instrument was piano, um, but I unfortunately didn't stick with it. And that is one of the few regrets I have in life. I try not to have many regrets. I very much regret that I did not pursue being a pianist. Um so I still I can I can play a little bit, but it's definitely not my thing. I immediately got moved to clarinet because my family owned a clarinet. Ah, yes, I was in the clarinet club <laughs> oh, too. Yeah. First chair, first chair. So cool, right? <laughs> we're, we're the cool kids, not really. And so I played clarinet until I, I suddenly had like this raging awareness of how uncool it was, and um, and that was basically when I discovered jazz. Right when jazz came along, I was just like, I don't hear any clarinets in there, you know. And, and of course, people would would point out, you know the very few great, you know, clarinetists. And I was like, yeah, there's already one. Them. Yeah. yeah. I was like, there's one of them. I'm not going to be that guy. That's not my jam. So uh, that my family was very supportive. As long as I stayed in music, they really wanted me to do that. And I had this great band director who said, you know, you could just move over to saxophone because all the fingerings are the same. Mm -hmm. The embouchure is a little different, right? How you uh, use your mouth to, to, 
um, use the instrument. So I moved over from clarinet to tenor saxophone. And tenor became like my great love through high school. And I was really, really into it. And my band instructor, he was an alto sax player. So he was all about it. And he very much fostered me as like a fledgling sax mm. player, right? He was, he'd give me solos and encourage me to improv. Lucky. And yeah. yeah, I was so lucky. I really fell into the, you know, when the student's ready, the teacher appears or something like that. Uh, sometimes. Yeah. yeah, right. So he fostered that. And then at some point I even had the opportunity to play um, baritone sax, the berry sax, which really, that's my secret love. Like I own a tenor and I love the tenor, but for real, a berry sax to me, it sounds like leather, Right. Like we were talking about synesthesia. Oh, what a description. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. We were talking about synesthesia before we started recording. Um, I, I don't have it. Um, I'm a little envious of those who do. But to me, certain things evoke other things. And Barry Sachs, to me, just it's, it's kind of creaky. Right. And and just interesting. And it has so much character to it. So I got to play Barry Sachs. But the funny thing is I was tiny. I was tiny in high school. So I was this little tiny wisp of a girl and with this enormous saxophone. And it was so big, I couldn't even hold it up. And they had to set it on a stack of books for me. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I was too small to play it. And they were like, how do you have the lung capacity? And I was like, have you heard me talk? <laughs> <laughs> so from that background with all these instruments, uh, jumping into uh, what's largely loop-based production for mm -hmm. you, I, that seems almost like a shock to go into a house in the first place. But you had this late-night love at the gay club, and that really mm -hmm. drew you in. Mm -hmm. And so now it sounds like going into production is the perfect synthesis of your background and your more current love. And great. Yeah. So you think you'll be using Ableton? And I, I do. I, I love the, the, the patches in Reason, right? Reason, Reason sounds good. Oh, yeah. Um, but I like the way, like, Ableton works with my nerd brain, right? The way it's, like, laid out and how you can ma manipulate things. And I think I've just had more instruction in Ableton, so I'm comfortable with it. But um, I did, you know, my first composition for my midterm was just loop manipulation. But my second composition, which was for our final, which we had to perform live, um, I actually did a combo. I used some drum patches, you know, some pre-made drum riffs. Um, and then I actually wrote the keys to it. So I did do a little bit of musical composition on, on okay. that other track. So yeah, I, I, I could see me kind of, you know, I'll look to somebody else's loops, maybe for inspiration, or maybe for like a basis or something kind of a jump off point. Uh -huh. But I definitely want there to be some um, ideation coming from me as a musician. Otherwise, I, I don't feel like I'm giving it my best if I'm not doing that. Well, it sounds like that's basically going to be impossible for you not to include right? that. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. Well, okay, Ableton and Reason are much more than Pro Tools. You have a lot of capability <laughs> for creative work there. So yeah. that sounds to be pretty exciting. Yeah. So um, you mentioned there's uh, a Facebook Live show that you do. Yeah. Right when the radio broadcast is on. Yeah, generally. Mm -hmm. And where, uh, where can we find that? So um, if you go to Facebook forward slash DJ Badcat. Okay, and is there any other social media links you want to throw out there, places we can find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, also as uh, DJ Bad Cat. And I'm not really in the Twitterverse. I'm really more a visual person. Uh -huh. So I think that's why I like Instagram and Facebook more because I, I kind of – I'm wordy and <laughs> visual. So, yeah. Yeah, just Facebook and Insta for now. 
Okay. Well, we'll look forward to finding you online and then also tuning in to 101.1 for your 12 to 2 slot. On the occasion that I'm awake for that, I will be on. <laughs> That's one of the reasons I do the Facebook Live, because I know not everybody's awake at those hours. Exactly. So you can, I always archive those on my Facebook page. All right. I want to thank you for coming in here and spending a little bit of wisdom for us, telling us a little bit about how you got where you are. Thanks for having me. This is great. The pleasure's been ours. All right, DJ Radio. The dreams. I remember my dreams. 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 The dream. 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 I remember my dreams. That was I Member by Bad Cat. And you've been listening to BK Radio. This has been a Beekeepers Production 2018.